Are you ready to generate way more leads with way less struggle? I have great news for you. I'm now accepting new students into High Performance Agent Academy. Inside the Academy, you'll get eight months of customized support from me and get access to my entire playbook, sales, marketing, social media, systems, all of it ready for you to copy and paste right into your business. Check the show notes for the link to learn more. We start on May 1st. Welcome to the very first episode of the High Performance Agent Podcast with Tina Bellavo. I am so excited to finally be launching this podcast after dreaming, thinking, planning, researching, thinking some more, and finally getting things going. (laughs) My aim today is to tell you just a little bit about myself and help you get to know me. And specifically, I'm going to share the top five decisions I made to realign my business after hitting a huge burnout wall at the end of 2019. Tune in to hear about all the changes I've made, and maybe I can give you permission to make a change to improve the quality of your life and your business too. Hey, my name's Tina Bellavo, and I am obsessed with all things real estate growth, marketing, social media, technology, and team building. If you're an ambitious agent who's hungry to grow, work on your own terms, and build a thriving life outside of your business, this is the podcast for you. I got into real estate when I was 18 years old and grew my business from nothing through referrals and social media. And since then, I've built a top performing team and I've sold over 1,700 homes and $400 million in sales volume. In this podcast, I keep it real, and I tell you exactly what I'm doing to sell tons of houses, lead my team, market my brand, grow my social following and database, and maintain incredible work-life balance. I'll never shy away from sharing my biggest mistakes as well as the juiciest parts of my secret sauce. Pull up a seat and get ready to learn and be inspired. This is the High Performance Agent Podcast with Tina Bellavo. All right, it's time to dive in and talk about why we're here today. So first things first, I named this the High Performance Agent Podcast because I want to help my listeners define what high performance means to them. Now, it could mean selling a ton of houses, maybe it's being number one in your market, or it might mean just being a parent first over your business or how you can be as efficient as possible, how you can target a certain area, a certain price point. High performance is and feels different for all of us, and I think one of the keys to success in real estate is to give yourself permission to define what high performance is for you and stop comparing yourself to other people's definition of high performance. And I will say that my definition of high performance for myself has changed drastically over the years. And that's really what I want to unpack with you today for a little bit. The transition that I've made from my old definition of high performance to my current one is quite different. (laughs) And I'm sure that the definition is going to keep evolving in time. I'm actually about to welcome my second baby into the world in a couple weeks. And I just feel like it's yet another kind of black box of my future of what it's like to be a mom of two instead of one. And I'm sure that my high performance definition is about to shift again. So I'm just going to start by sharing with you a little bit of like where I came from, my story in the industry, and then really I want to talk about this like shift that I made post-burnout a little over three years ago. So first things first, I'm 37, never shy about mentioning my age. I've been in the industry for 19 years now. 
So got into real estate my freshman year in college in 2004. I had a family friend who was a very successful real estate agent, and I started off as her executive assistant. So I worked for her part-time through college. Within less than a year of, I think, working with her, I got my license, and mostly I helped her with everything, systems and operational all through college, but I did learn to sell some houses. She mentored me a lot. And then I graduated from college in 2007, and at that point, I decided to go solo and to focus on real estate, and my degree is in advertising and marketing, and I sort of had that moment of like, okay, so what do I really want to do? Do I want to be self-employed, or do I want to go into something more traditional? I decided to stick with real estate, and I've never looked back, so The first few years were so hard. (laughs) I feel like that's the first thing I always say is like, I am such a textbook millennial. It's just textbook. I don't know what other word to use for it. So um, I just thought I would be an overnight success, making six figures right away. And it was such a rude awakening of what it's like to be an entrepreneur, to build a business from scratch. And to figure out everything, like not just how to sell houses, but you know, the biggest challenge for most of us is where is our business going to come from? What's the model going to be? Are you going to be referral? Are you going to be a prospector? Are you going to get them on the internet? And I will date myself a little bit. Like back in 2007, there were like the lead sources were a little different than today. Like I don't even think, I don't know when Zillow started selling leads to agents, but it was definitely after 2007. As far as I know. So anyway, so those first few years were I was kind of consumed with like figuring out what my business model was. I tried a little bit of everything. Some of the first listings I took were cold calls, like expireds and withdrawns, especially because of what was going on in the market at that time. Eventually, I like found a training program that was referral oriented. And it was mostly a great fit for me. I'll talk about this in some other episodes. But that Even back then, like some of the aspects of the way that trainer taught were kind of like cheesy, salesy, not really my vibe. And even that was like a whole learning experience of like how to find my way to build a referral-based business. But that's how I I would really define the first couple years of like figuring out what the heck I was doing with the Great Recession layered on top of that. So, you know, within a year of me being full time, the market kind of imploded. Home values started dropping in Baltimore, which is where I am, Baltimore, Maryland, as well as obviously all across the United States. So it was a slow build. And it was like my first real exposure to, I mean, the real world post-college, but really like just entrepreneurship of being patient and like doing the right things and planting the seeds and not necessarily seeing them sprout immediately and understanding that that's okay and how to kind of measure results by a a different yardstick is what I would say. So that's my first couple years. Towards like 2009, 2010, I really started to hit my stride. Oh, and by the way, at the beginning of my career, like I don't like to throw shade at brokers, but my first broker was just like super old school No one supported me in any way. So I was definitely like figuring everything out on my own. In case you missed it, High Performance Agent Academy is officially open for new students and we start on May 1st. Do you feel frustrated by making slow progress, sick of your systems and CRM being a mess, lonely and tired of figuring out how to grow your business on your own? And are you ready for a breakthrough in your sales, marketing, and lead generation? 
First of all, you're not alone. I have been there and I've blazed the trail to solve all of those problems. I've assembled every single system, template, and marketing strategy I use so you can copy and paste them right into your business. If you're ready to transform everything about your real estate business, this is your golden opportunity. I will walk alongside you for the rest of 2024 and help you plug these systems directly into your business. And we will customize every element to your market, your brand, your voice, and your goals. High Performance Agent Academy starts on May 1st, and I don't want you to miss the boat. Head to the show notes to get the link or DM me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo, and I'll send you everything you need. See you in the Academy. So somewhere between like 2009 and 2010, I changed brokers to a company that like I had a great manager. She mentored me and I was really starting to hit my stride with my referral practices. I brought an intern on. She was helping me market and I had been someone's assistant. So in my like world and sort of like the view I had of real estate, like the kind of successful agents have assistants, like that's the mindset I had. So that was kind of one of the things that I was working towards was kind of getting to that point where I could have some support. And as much as I love systems and operations and all of that, like you really need to be out in the field to be driving revenue in your business. So that was an eye. I had my eye on that prize. But more importantly, given the fact that I was in my early 20s, I was just building my database from nothing. So in the beginning, it was like renters, buyers, and I would never want to like put out limiting beliefs that listings are hard to get, but listings were hard to get (laughs) at that age. I didn't always have the confidence level, the expertise that I have today. So my business was super, super buyer heavy. So I just focused on being the best freaking buyer's agent in the world and giving my all to every transaction, to every relationship and just building my reputation and client loyalty one deal at a time. And boy, did that pay off over time. So that's what I would say was kind of like the second chapter of my career. And one thing that I did was I really focused on giving people what I could. Like at that time, I had time and energy to spare. So if I could help people and kind of invest in relationships before and after the transaction, I was really big on that. So like One of my early strategies was helping homeowners appeal their tax bills because in that period of time, (laughs) people who had owned houses for a while often had their value had dropped. And I would basically help them file for a new tax assessment with our city or county. And that was just one of the things I did to like have a reason to reach out to people and offer something to them, even if it wasn't necessarily about buying or selling at this moment. So eventually... My business definitely got into a momentum phase, was not the overnight success I dreamed of being, although I think it's in this world, our social media world, it's so easy to think that people are overnight successes when they're not. (laughs) So just food for thought there. So by 2013, I had a full-time assistant and things were cooking in many ways. Very successful. I think I was kind of knocking on the door of about 15 million in sales volume, but I was feeling kind of stuck. And I felt like there had to be an easier way, especially being super, super buyer heavy. So there's a little bit more to this story for another day. But basically, I decided it was time to really build a team and go beyond just the agent plus assistant model. And that is where my business just supercharged. In 2014, I doubled my production. We went from 15 to 32 million. That year, I hired a buyer agent. 
I started focusing on listings exclusively and just started to structure my team through some of the different models that are out there. And it really, really benefited me. And then in 2015, we grew more. We got to almost 50 million in sales volume and really high production with a small number of people. My team was comprised of me, two other agents who worked with buyers, two full-time admin who kind of split up everything, listings, transaction coordination, marketing systems. And then I've always had errand runners and stagers, and I have all these little hacks for time-saving and efficiency that I kind of figured out in that time. Because I was focused on listings only by then and selling about 80 listings a year. Very busy in my own right, but I did have a lot of like really great support that I kind of built throughout the team. So really great stuff production-wise, but coming back to like redefining high performance. By 2016, like not long after this like huge run-up in my business, I was really struggling with burnout. And I was also just feeling really dissatisfied with how my business felt. Like I just... Even now, I like can't put it into words, but I felt stressed by things, frustrated. I think you can have a team with like the best people who are so good at their jobs, but if you're still like grinding away, selling tons and tons of houses, like I just felt like my personal life was suffering. I questioned my leadership. I felt like, is it me that's the problem? Like I was just dissatisfied. So at that moment in my kind of like questioning what I was really like meant to be doing, I was approached about taking a management position at my office. And at the time, I'd recently moved to Keller Williams. And they basically said, hey, like, our office is growing. Do you want to kind of be like the co, they call it a team leader in KW, but sort of like co-office manager, quasi like CEO of the business. So I took the leap because I felt at the time that it would be a really great way for me to stop personally selling homes, try something different. I had someone in my team who was pretty tenured at that point. She took over working with all of my sellers. And I spent three years building a very large Keller Williams franchise in my market. Um, And that was another huge learning curve of all things brokerage building. So I recruited over a 1,000 agents to the firm over the course of three years. I supported launching a second office. Then I oversaw the acquisition of a third So by the end of that period of time, I was basically the general manager. I was responsible for all three offices, the training, the recruitment, and leadership of the leadership team, and basically just kind of eyes over everything. Very, very heavy workload. A couple things about that period of time. Number one, I learned so much about running a business of an even broader scope, which was very valuable for me. The other huge win out of that period of time was I realized how much I love teaching and coaching and training and helping agents, especially with just everything that I've built and the experiences that I've had. It's very rewarding to be able to pass them on, which is why I'm doing this podcast. (laughs) But on the flip side, by the end of those like three years of me being in that role, I realized it was not the right long-term job for me. It wasn't the right company. I was not working for the right people. It was an extremely... (laughs) unhealthy environment. So I made a decision to move on, which was just complicated. It was very messy. It did not go well. My stepping down and deciding to just kind of take a breather did not go smoothly in any shape or form. It was definitely one of the hardest and most upsetting times of my life because concurrent with deciding to kind of step out of that, I also found myself in a situation where one of my longtime team members at my team 
who had been kind of running the day-to-day, decided to start her own team. So she went out on her own and basically recruited almost everyone who worked for me to go work for her. So the day before Christmas Eve 2019, I found out that my whole team was moving on, except for one amazing person who was a gift that she's still here with me to this day. And I started 2020 at the lowest point I'd ever been in my career. Psychologically, emotionally, it just felt like everything that I'd been working towards for years was not over because like I I know better than that. But I mean, I'm sure just hearing this, you can kind of imagine like the ego hit. And if you've been here with like having team members leave or maybe making a hard decision where you're being like the really professional person who's not like telling everyone the real drama behind the scenes, but someone else is maybe saying things about telling their version of the story, which was definitely not the real version of the story. So like I went through this period of kind of like trying to hold my head high and regroup and figure out like what just happened and where am I going to go from here? Um, But the beauty of that, and I've been in other jams in my life that ended up being great things, great outcomes. And that's definitely what happened because like All of my business ventures being kind of like burned to the ground really gave me the chance to rise from the ashes and redefine everything about my life and my business. It didn't always feel that way in the moment, but what I did realize was that I had the opportunity to redefine anything and everything that I wanted. So that's what I did. So like I said at the beginning, I wanted to share the five big decisions that I made kind of, it was like in the kind of like the first quarter of 2020 where I was just like, okay, like. I guess I'm going to change everything. Like, let's really give the opportunity to do that. So number one, the first big decision that I made was that I would never work that much again. Um, I was a total workaholic and it was impacting every area of my life. Like, even if I wasn't actively working, and if anyone who's listening to this has ever been in that kind of headspace, like you probably know, like, even if you're not on your phone or out with a client, like you're thinking about it and like just the the headspace that that took up for me. And a lot of it, like I have a ton of ambition and drive and creative energy. So it's sort of like a perfect storm <laughs> at times. But I knew that I had been overworking and ignoring other areas of my life that needed attention. And that was the first thing. And actually the beauty of being, <laughs> I don't know if beauty is the right word, but The beauty of being that burned out is like, I didn't even have it in me to keep going like that. Like, I just like sort of came to a stop and was like, okay, I'm out of juice. And like, I remember in those early times, like the biggest priority I had was just like clearing my calendar and having as few commitments as possible. I started working out every morning. This is like a dumb little thing, but like in the Keller Williams world, especially there's all this talk about like start your day, you know, early and lead generate for the first two hours of the day and like just mindsets about how to be successful. And I had to really like deprogram myself from that and instead be like, no, I go to the gym every day at 9 a.m. And then like I'll work after that. But like first I'm going to take care of my body and my mind because one thing about me is I'm not a morning person. Even after having a baby, nothing's changed. (laughs) So yeah, just like giving myself permission to like change the way I ran my schedule, not worry what anyone thought about it, not feel guilt. So that was like the first big decision. 
And just as a fun side note, I fell so in love with spinning that I even became a spin instructor after kind of like this big realignment. And I teach one spin class a week just for kicks. So that was the first big decision. The second one that I made is that I would run my team very differently moving forward in a couple major ways. I, I'm someone who takes a lot of ownership for, I think, for the most part of like how things go in my life and in my business. So I don't blame like any of the training or the thought leaders that I chose to surround myself with for years. But I will say that I, I kind of learned to build my team through coaches and thought leaders that were very like corporate, hardcore, like productivity oriented, numbers driven, very sort of like just traditional sales organization, but with like high drive, high expectation, not always the most forgiving or empathetic. I actually feel like there was a lot of talk about being that way, but not actually a lot of action. And I don't mean to make this a female or male thing, but I think like I had a lot of business coaches and mentors who were male and who just functioned differently than I do, like emotionally and psychologically. So I kind of had to step back and be like, how can I lead more gently with more empathy, with more focus on wellness? And I don't mean that in like in a woo-woo way, but just like literally like respecting people's time. Again, I'd been working in an environment for several years where like there was not a lot of respect for my personal boundaries in various ways. So I kind of had gotten used to feeling intruded upon. (laughs) So like, and I don't know if this makes sense to anyone who's ever worked for someone like that, where there's just, it seems like there's just no limit to what they expect from you and the availability and all of that. So like I had to just back up and figure out like, how can I lead really, really gently and kind of dovetailed with that looking at my hiring practices for my own team and just figuring out like, who do I really want to work with and interact with every day? I have very strong personal values in certain areas. I'm not a big drinker or partier. I'm kind of like square. (laughs) Hate to say it, but it's true. Like I realize like working with people who have the same core values as me of just sort of Like, I'm not someone who wants to be best friends with everyone in my team. Like, I like being friends, but I don't need to, like, hang out that often. And this kind of, like, goes into my one of my other points of, like, realizing that I work a lot better virtually. But, like, I just kind of realized that I really needed and wanted to employ people who had my same core values and maturity level and the kind of people that wouldn't recruit my whole team away from me behind my back. So just kind of even like evaluating a little bit of like my my self-esteem and like maybe why I allowed myself to stay in relationships that weren't working for way too long, which was certainly a big part that I played in one of the scenarios that I went through. So it was really a chance to rebuild my team with a very different mindset and being like, you know what? If it takes me a year to find someone really great for XYZ, like that's so much better than just filling a seat. So that was my second big decision. The third is that bigger is not necessarily better for me. Uh, I like quantity. Like I, the idea of being number one or making X number of dollars or X number of sales is very alluring. But the way I'm programmed is like quality always means more to me. Like, 
I will never have trouble falling asleep at night because I wasn't number one in Maryland or Baltimore County or whatever little fishbowl you want to use. I will have trouble falling asleep at night because a client was let down or because an expectation was set and me or someone who works with me came nowhere near it. Like that is really what like unsettles me because I care so much about the relationship and the customer experience. And that's always been the case. And I think that's part of why my team has thrived in all of its iterations, because I have always been very quality driven. But that desire for quantity, like those two things can often be (laughs) in conflict. It's a dance. It's a balance. So for me, I just needed to give myself permission to scale back in every way, whether that was having less team members, less transactions, less time working, less profit, less stress. And for some people, scaling back immediately can lead to an uptick in profit. But like, I kind of had to just sort of take a step back and say, you know what? Like, I've had years of massive earning and I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful for that. But that is no longer my number one priority. My number one priority is my quality of life. And what that did, that permission, it gave me space to be way happier, way more peaceful. Like, again, I'm not that like woo, but like the amount of inner peace that I experience with these changes compared to how my business used to feel, it's like I can't even compare the two. So yeah, really prioritizing my mental health, my physical health. Again, like just going to the gym as much as I wanted is like such a silly thing, but like not being in office anymore, not having a quota that I used to have as a recruiter, not having like a really strict schedule that's like time blocked 24-7 every day. All of that helped me thrive and also kind of shift into a space of being a lot more creative and intuitive in my business, which gives me even more energy than being really like overly structured, overly corporate, overly bureaucratic. So that was my third decision. Bigger is not better. And the fourth one, which I kind of teased already, is tied to that, which is like, I don't do bureaucracy. (laughs) And working in like a large brokerage like I did before, there was a lot of bureaucracy, politics, process that didn't make sense, antiquated technology. And I'm not trying to down where I worked, but like it just wasn't a good fit for me. Like I hate standing meetings. I hate having a full calendar. I don't like working in an office, in like a traditional office, because people interrupt me all day and I can't get anything done. (laughs) I would just feel like agitated so much of the time, like being in an office and like having a huge workload. But then people want to like pick my brain or ask a question. And it was just so hard to like control my schedule. So I'm just super, I've just come to embrace, like I'm super uncorporate. I'm super unbureaucratic. And it's funny because if you caught sort of the wind of the story, like I started making all this transformation in the beginning of 2020, right as the pandemic was starting. So that kind of aided in me deciding to be virtual and realizing what an amazing fit that was for me. Um, And really just being way more laid back and not so meeting driven and more focused on like hiring a few great people who will just slay it at their jobs with good training and me being really available as a support person, but with a lot less overseeing. So um, yeah, I would say our team runs like a tight ship, but we are way more like systems driven. We manage all of our communication in Slack for the most part. We do get together, but when we do, it's for like a good reason, whether it's like to have fun together, just to catch up or to like have a specific conversation and not just like meeting for the sake of meeting. So that was my fourth decision was like no more bureaucracy like ever again. 
I swear. <laughs> and then my fifth big decision was that EXP was the best brokerage for my goals and sensibilities. Don't worry, this is not a recruiting podcast. So if you're getting your hackles up, like we don't, we're not going there. But at that moment in my business, I needed to go somewhere fresh. I needed to be in an environment that was simple for me and just kind of aligns with the fact that I'm just, I'm really an autonomous agent. I don't need or want a lot of overseeing, <laughs> to say the least. So just being in a really independent environment where it's easy to function and I can kind of opt in or out of trainings and things as I need them based on what my priorities are has been super, super valuable for me. So those were my five big decisions. So just to repeat them and break them down, number one, that I would never be a workaholic again, which by the way, is a work in progress. Number two, that I would run my team more gently and empathetically and with stronger alignment around who I hired. The third thing is that bigger is not always better. The fourth, no bureaucracy. <laughs> and the fifth, that I needed to be in the right brokerage for me. So those five big decisions have guided so much of what's gone down in my life and in my business in the three years since then. And I mentioned this earlier on, but like slowing down and creating that space for me to breathe and thrive personally led me to realizing like I hadn't even thought much about starting a family. Like I'd thought about it, but I didn't have time to like contemplate it. Like I couldn't imagine slowing down when I was in that like workaholic grind so at the end of 2020, we decided to start a family. I got pregnant and we welcomed our son Austin into the world in July of 2021. And some other fun things that have happened along the way. At the beginning of 2021, I came across an opportunity to flip a house. I, I Again, because I had kind of the headspace to like pursue something different, try a new project. And that was also like a whole other story. Really profitable, harder than it looks, by the way but a great learning experience. <laughs> and then in 2022, I achieved really my biggest like lifelong personal dream, which was buying a beach house in this place that we love and have stayed at ever since I was a little girl, Hilton Head, South Carolina. If anyone knows Hilton Head, they know that it's really amazing. I had dreamed of owning a home there. It was really the first and only thing I ever put on my vision board way back in the day when I started goal setting, when I got like my first real estate coach in 2008 or nine. So last year, we settled on that property, and now my husband and I run it together as an Airbnb. And we use it personally, but we rent it when we're not there, which has been also a great learning experience, really cool journey, and something I'm super passionate about. We'll definitely talk about that at some point on the podcast. So last but not least, we also decided to expand our family once more, and we are expecting a baby girl in a few short weeks. So hopefully you've taken something from what I shared today. I have definitely had some really hard moments in my professional journey, several of the hardest ones I definitely mentioned today. But those moments have also taught me my most valuable and important lessons, which is usually how life works. So I'm so grateful that I've made these shifts in my business in the last three years. It can be a huge struggle at times to temper my ambition against the reality I've learned that bigger and more doesn't actually make me happier in most cases. Like, there's this thought process out there, and I'm going to butcher using the right terminology for it, but there's sort of this like amount of money that once you're making it, like if you keep making more and more, it doesn't necessarily make you happier. And I think I hit that point long before I realized it and then just kept chasing growth and more and this and that. And again, like I think that being driven is a beautiful thing, but when you're driving yourself into the ground, 
it's not so beautiful. (laughs) So I'm just continually refining my habit of checking my motives and checking like the unconscious reasons of things that I like get excited about and commit to. And sometimes I really have to back up still and be like, wait, why am I doing that again? Is that about ego? Is that about FOMO? Is it about my inability to say no? Or does this really align? And is this the right time? One of my team members, who I just love dearly, Bethany, said to me, again, like, I just love a good knowledge bomb, truth bomb, the right thing at the right time. And she was like, Tina, just remember, like, you can do anything you want. You just can't do it all at the same time. And I have come back to that thought so many times. So shout out to Bethany. Love that you said that to me. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for tuning in for my first episode. I have a lot more to share in future ones to come about tactics of how I've grown my business, all the stuff you've heard about, building my brand, marketing myself, setting up my team. But I just wanted to start with something a little more personal, a little more vulnerable, so you could just know a little bit more about the human being behind the mic here. So I hope you will subscribe and join me for the journey as we go. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the High Performance Agent Podcast. Make sure to subscribe by hitting the follow button so you don't miss the next episode. And check the show notes for links to all of my goodies, including my newsletter filled with tips for ambitious agents. You can also find me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo. Talk to you soon.